but by every word which comes from the mouth of Elohim, the Most High, Almighty God. Moses, 40 days, 40 nights, was on the mount without food and water, but his food was the word which the Almighty gave him. And this same word was the word which is written. And then same word was the word which defeated the devil, the Satan. Because Yeshua, when he was tested and tempted, he said it is written. And he quoted from Deuteronomy. He quoted from Psalms. And he said it is written. And, and Satan couldn't overcome him. Nor could the religious people of his time, nor the Pharisees, nor the Sadducees, could overcome the wisdom which came from the written word of the Almighty God. And the same written <coughs> word is for us today, to eat and to fish and to drink of His Holy Spirit, which is through, through drink, the rivers which flow from, from receiving from the source, from the belly of the believer will flow rivers of life-giving waters. Wherever the believer goes, he brings life. And the same life is now, Brother Clint is going to speak to us the word and the spirit together. Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Brother Clint. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me, Fidel. Um, if this is my first time meeting you, it's nice to meet you. Uh, we are very invested in our hearts in India, uh, and especially uh, the Goa area there on the west side of India. In fact, we'll be in Goa and on the west side of India there uh, in September for a couple weeks, September 8th through the 18th. And we'll be having some meetings and different things uh, that we're doing there. So encourage all of you that are near that area to come and to um, uh, uh, be a part of what we're doing there. Um, be a part of uh, the efforts to equip the church to do what Fidel was talking about, which is to uh, bring earth back into its heaven-like state. So um, Fidel can hook you up with all the details of that as they become available. So um, I'm in the United States. I'm right in the middle of the United States in a state called Missouri. Your state's Goa, my state's Missouri. And uh, we are doing the same work here that uh, we have uh, been trying to do there in India. Uh, the work is to uh, bring Let's just start here. Colossians 1.10. To bring all things in the heavens and on the earth back to their original state again in Him. A lot of people are familiar with church. They're familiar with what's taught in church. But hardly anybody is effective in the mission of the church. Hardly anybody is aware of the true mission of the church. We've been taught to do things in church or at church or be a part of church activities, but hardly anybody's able to be a part of God's activities. What are God's activities? God's activity in the earth is to completely destroy the works of the devil and the one who holds the dominion of death, as it says in Romans in uh, Hebrews 2.14. That means that there is someone and something that opposes God's work in the earth. So God has an agent in the earth to oppose his opposer and to completely overcome it. And that agent is the body of Christ. 
In fact, when Jesus came to the earth, he came as a part of God's plan from before the foundation of the world to be the firstborn of a new race of heavenly humanity who are going to bring all things in the heavens and on the earth back to their original state again in him because he is the firstborn of all creation. That means that there is coming a time when there will be nothing in the created realm that did not originate from Jesus Christ. Think about it. See, right now, the Bible calls the God of this world the devil. The devil is the God of this world. Okay? That doesn't mean the physical world. That means this world system, this world time, this time, this age. He's the God of this age because he's ruling the minds and hearts of men. That all happened back in Genesis when man sinned against God. And all the dominion that God gave Adam and all things under his dominion fell to the one who Adam obeyed. So when Adam switched his allegiance from God to Satan, everything that Adam was over was shifted to its new God. Little G-O-D, God. Okay? That means the earth came under the dominance of the devil. And as it says in Romans, that through the sin of one man, death entered the world. Death is the nature and will of the devil. Prior to that, all the earth was uh, perfect. There was no sin. There was no death. <clears throat> there was no disease. And that was because God made man in his image and told him in Genesis 126 and 128 to have dominion over the earth. God made man his image bearer, in other words, to represent him as Lord of the earth. Okay? Not instead of God, but for God. God put man in charge of the earth. And said, have dominion, subdue this earth. Make sure that it stays obedient to me. Make sure that it stays in this perfect state of righteousness. And after the disobedience of Adam and Eve, we see a new God in charge of the earth. Man failed, but before God created the world, he already had a plan for this. In fact, Jesus Christ was always his plan. It says in uh, Romans 5.12 that the first Adam was just a type of the one to come, speaking of Jesus Christ. And this man who was not born of, of the line of Adam, but born from heaven, is God's perfect example of a man that we call a son. A son of God is what we see in Jesus Christ. And God's plan was to bring us all into that same sonship, not just relationally, but realistically. Romans 8.29 says that we were predestined to be conformed into His image. So whatever Jesus came 
as whatever he looked like, however he lived, however he functioned, that is our example, and that's God's will for you. If that's true, we should see that some written somewhere in the New Testament. In Romans or in uh, Ephesians 4:11, it talks about when Jesus ascended into the heavens, he gave gifts to the church, which are the apostle, prophet, pastor, uh, teacher, and evangelist, for the equipping of the saints until they reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, this gets into where uh, we're stuck in the church because our pattern in church, our, um, our, the things that we're used to doing in church is teaching, learning, and fellowship. Teaching, learning, and fellowship. And none of that is bad, but the actual job of the leaders of the body of Christ is to equip you until you function at the level that Jesus functioned in. To equip you until you can begin to equip others. For what purpose? So that you could completely destroy the works of the devil and bring the all things in the heavens and the earth back to their original state again in him. What's the original state of, of the earth? Perfect righteousness is that one is one with God. It's one spirit with God. Right? And when you are born again, that's where God starts that process in you. The old man, which is from the lineage of the first Adam and inherited Adam's sin and thereby inherited Adam's punishment, which is death. You have been now because of the, of the covenant that Jesus made with the Father through his sacrifice, which is for you and for the earth. You have now been born of the Spirit. You've been re-fathered. When you are, before you were born of the Spirit or born again, you had the same nature as the devil. He was your father. Okay, because he's the God of this world. But if you're going to be born of the spirit, you're going to have to be born from another origin, another father who's not of this world. That is God. So when you are born again, you are refathered. You are reoriginated to heaven. And that is the purpose of Jesus Christ is to reoriginate or refather all things in the heavens and the earth to the Father. How is he going to do that? Through the church of Jesus Christ. And as I was saying, that starts with you being born of the Spirit so that, the, so that <clears throat> your old nature of sin could be canceled, put away for all time, for all purposes, uh, Peter puts it like this in 1 Peter 2.24, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So being born of the Spirit means you're going to first die to sin and then live to righteousness. And then the intent of that, being born of the Spirit, is so that God can make you the dwelling place of His Spirit. So in the Old uh, Covenant, we have the picture, which is, the Old Covenant is completely just types and shadows of the reality to come. 
the glory of God dwelt in the Holy of Holies, the tent of meeting. And they had to go through ritualistic uh, you know, practices and sacrifices to enter that uh, place of Holy of Holies once a year. And now you have been made that holy place. Now you have been made the Holy of Holies. And the whole idea is that the glory of God himself as seen in Jesus Christ, would dwell in you. And if you have been born of the Spirit or born again, then and you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, as described in the book of Acts in chapter 2, then you have been made one spirit with God. You are no longer in the line of the first Adam. You are no longer Adam's descendant. But now you are a descendant of or what the Bible calls a brother of the last Adam, who is Jesus Christ. You have been completely cut off from your old nature, and you have been completely joined and filled in Christ, who is of God's divine nature. And the expectation is that we all, who have become sons of God, operate in God's divine nature just like Jesus, for what purpose that we could destroy all the works of the devil, bring the church into maturity, right? When you are when you are born as a child, you don't have the ability of a full-grown adult. And when you are born again, you have to mature in order to begin to function like Jesus. This maturity is not a time thing. It's an obedience and a mind renewal thing. See, we have to believe the truth. Every time Jesus says, you can do this, or you will do this, or you shall do this, it was always attached to if you believe. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says, whoever says to this mountain and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, shall have whatsoever he says. Whoever believes, right? Mark eleven twenty four. 24, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mark 16, those who believe will cast out devils, speak with new tongues. You know, they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. This is all hinged on believing. That's why the old covenant could never bring you into sonship. Because there was nothing of faith or believing in the old covenant. There was nothing... The law had nothing to do with faith. You don't have to have faith to, you know, offer a sacrifice. You don't have to have faith to cut a bull's throat, right? But you do have to have faith to believe in something you can't see. And that is Jesus Christ. And the promise to Abraham, way back before the law, the promise to Abraham was that through his seed, all nations would be blessed. And that's how we all came into this. I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm not Jewish. I'm, a, I'm from the Gentile nations. Okay? But there is neither Jew nor Gentile in Christ. Okay? Now, the, the blessing that God is speaking of, when he said to Abraham, Father Abraham, he said, through your seed, all nations will be blessed. That seed means Jesus Christ. And the blessing that God promised to Abraham was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 
to dwell in this new covenant humanity who have been purchased with the price of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. This is God's long-range plan for the earth, and it's going to be accomplished through you. It's going to be accomplished through us. And without us, it will not be accomplished. Many people, uh, many, many, many people who call themselves Christians and who are living uh, in the new covenant still have an old covenant mindset, which prevents them from functioning as Jesus functioned. What do I mean by this? Well, in the old covenant, they were far away from God. They had God established a, a uh, some some laws and some rules of conduct in order to have uh, a covenant with his people when he brought them out of Egypt. You know, this covenant promised protection, it promised healing, it promised provision, a lot of things. <clears throat> a lot of the same things that um, Jesus, uh, that we have in Jesus, okay? But in that covenant, no one was a son like Jesus Christ. In that covenant, no one was one with God. No one had a personal indwelling of God. God only dwelled in a tent. Okay? Now, what do I mean by a mindset of the old covenant? That means God is far away to you. That means when you pray, you hope He hears you. When that means when it comes time to to get help, you cry out to God and say, God, come help us. Or when it's time to heal the sick, you cry out and say, God, come heal this sick person. Or when you when it's time to do any of the work of the kingdom, you cry out for God to come and send revival. Old covenant mindsets, all of them. What's the new covenant mindset? Well, in order to see the new covenant mindset, we have to look at Jesus, who is our example when Jesus healed the sick, did he ask the Father, Father, see this sick person? Please heal them. No. There is never one record of anyone in the New Testament asking God to heal anyone. And the command from Jesus, which is what the commands that we obey now are, because he's our new high priest, not from the order of the uh he, he's from a new order of priesthood, let's say. He's not a Levitical priest. He's a new priest with a new covenant and new laws. That's what the Bible says. Hebrews, Galatians. The commands that we obey now are the commands of Jesus. His command is heal the sick. Not ask for the sick to be healed. His command is raise the dead. Not ask for the, raise, the dead to be raised or, you know, cry about the people who died because we have no ability to help them. We absolutely do. See, this kingdom that came with Jesus Christ and started as a seed in the ground is dependent on your maturity. Your spiritual maturity is dependent on you functioning like Jesus functioned. So the New Testament mindset is, we are representing God just like Adam did in the book of Genesis. We are God's 
representatives here. If God wants something done on the earth, he's not coming to do it himself. We do it. If something is out of order in the earth, we put it back into order. How is this possible? Because this new covenant is based on the promise that was made to Abraham that all nations would be blessed through his seed. That blessing is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. It's called the mystery of the ages, which is Christ in you. Christ is in you. The fullness of the living God is in your spirit. Your spirit is perfect, full, mature, just like Jesus. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6.17 says, that he who joins himself to the Lord becomes one spirit with God. You are one spirit. Just like a husband and wife, when they are married, they become one flesh. Well, our marriage with God is one spirit. Your spirit contains the whole fullness of God, just like Jesus. What did it say about Jesus in Colossians 1, 9 and uh uh, let's see. Yeah. Colossians 1, 9 and 10. It says that the whole fullness of God dwells in him bodily. Well, since Romans eight twenty nine says that we were predestined to be conformed into his image, you guessed it. The whole fullness of God dwells in you bodily. Now, the first thing that you might say about that is that's not my experience. I, I don't walk like Jesus. I'm still struggling with things. I'm participating in things I shouldn't do and um, I feel just like a normal person, okay? But Paul, and, and Fidel brought this scripture up, mentioned it. Paul speaks about this and this is the main, this, this is the main emphasis of the epistles in the New Testament. Paul said, I, I teach... The same thing everywhere in all the churches. What's he teaching? He calls them my ways which are in Christ. <clears throat> what are Paul's ways which are in Christ? See, Paul said this. He said, you have many teachers, but not many fathers. Then he says, I have become your father in the gospel. Therefore, imitate me. So Paul's goal and his aim is to bring everyone into a place where they can father others. How do we know this? Well, many places, Paul writes and others, he says, I strive and labor and toil with all of the energy that is within me to present every man perfect in Christ. In another place, he says, I uh, am like a woman in childbirth until Christ is formed in you. In Romans 12, 2, which I just mentioned, I didn't quote it, but it says, uh, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove the will of God. We're going to prove the will of God through the transformation of our lives by changing what we believe, which causes us 
to, to be able to function as Jesus, right? So for example, uh, this is a lot, this is a lot of material here. This is, this is basic Bible doctrine here, but it's, it's stuff that not many people have heard. So if we're going to renew our mind, for example, there's lots of doctrine out there concerning healing. The truth about healing is that healing was purchased by Jesus in the same act of atonement as the cancellation of sins. <clears throat> in fact, healing was purchased before Jesus went to the cross. It says, Isaiah prophesied that by his stripe we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 puts it in the past tense. says, by his stripe you were healed. So healing is purchased and done. How do we receive healing? By believing. You can receive healing for yourself by believing. By his stripes I was healed, therefore I am healed. Or we can uh, believe for others. Those who believe will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So when we start to believe the, the things that have been written according to the truth and do them, then we start to function like Jesus functioned in the earth. Our words become spirit and life just as his words were spirit and life. In fact, his words in your mouth are spirit and life. That's because we represent him. Now, when you don't, when you don't, when you don't speak for him, when you speak for yourself, you give your own opinion. You know, you 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 just speak as a normal human would speak. You're not representing him. But when you choose. To, to represent him in every way and in all things, you begin to speak for him. Therefore, you represent him. Therefore, you begin to operate in authority. So this is a new covenant mindset to not place Jesus in some other category than yourself. John writes this, John the Apostle. He says, as he is, so are we in this world. And every place where you fall short of functioning as Jesus functioned is because is because uh, you don't understand what happened at the new birth and you don't understand that God's entire plan was to make you just like Jesus. See, where we get into trouble is when we believe that there's a difference between him and us. And there is no difference between the man, Jesus Christ, and you. He was a man just like us, yet without sin. A man whom God indwelled by his Holy Spirit. A man who did not seek his own will. A man who only spoke to please the Father. A man who, who only acted to please the Father according to, you know, his mission, his destiny, right? Well, what are we now? We have been born of the Spirit. Sin has been canceled. We've been given a new nature that you might die to sin and live to righteousness. Sounds like Jesus. And this whole purpose was, according to Galatians 3, 13 and 14, to receive the promise of the Father through the blessing of Abraham which is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So now you got a whole new humanity by 
being adopted as a son, translated out of the race of the first Adam into the race of the last Adam for the purpose of making you just like him, for the purpose of removing uh, death and all of its effects from the earth, for the purpose of uh, removing the influence of the evil one from the earth. How do we do that? We preach the gospel. We liberate humanity and, and nations from his influence, from death, by seeing them born again, by seeing them discipled. That's what Jesus said. Go into all nations, make disciples. What's a disciple? It's a mature son of God. Someone who functions like Jesus. Someone who operates as he operated. And this is the purpose of God, that we would all grow up together in this as the church. Until such a time as, you know, all things on earth are as they are in heaven. No one's going to spend eternity in heaven. We are, uh, we are, this is our place. This is God's domain. And through Jesus Christ, he came to start over with humanity for the, for the purpose of bringing the earth back to its original state. And we're promised uh, that at some point when this is all wrapped up, that the heavens and the earth will be made new and Jesus uh, is returning, and we all will live together with him in an immortal body just like his. These are the things that we're looking for, that we're working for. We're not here building ministries. We're not here trying to get people saved so that when they die, they go to heaven. We are making mature sons of God to destroy the works of the devil, to undermine all of his schemes, to completely remove his influence from the planet. Until all nations, as Daniel 2.44, uh, Daniel prophesies in Daniel 2.44, that this kingdom, the kingdom of God, is destined to consume and break to pieces all other kingdoms. You know, the, king, the Muslim kingdom is going to be broken to pieces by the church. All of India's foreign gods, all their kingdoms, is going to be broken to pieces by the church. Buddhism. That kingdom is going to be broken to pieces by the church. And it's going to be replaced with God's will being done in the earth. Until everything that can be shaken will be shaken and removed. In fact, we're already in that process. The kingdom of God operating uh, through the dominion of God's spirit in the sons of God is shaking the earth. It is shaking nations. It, and they are already, Paul wrote this, they are already in the process of passing away. Think about it. You've got to readjust your mindset to who you've been made. And you've got to start thinking of someone who's been given responsibility. We are responsible for this call. Paul calls it the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is that? To grow up into Christ in every way. I didn't say grow up in Christ. You can grow up in India, but you can't grow up into India. But you can grow up into Christ. And you can take responsibility. The job of your, of your pastor or whoever leads your church is to equip you to become an overseer for the discipling of others. You've got to take personal responsibility to make disciples and then go do the will of God with them. Until your family until your neighborhood, 
and until your city begins to liberated from the, be liberated from the influence of sickness, death, disease, foreign gods, uh, and the influence of the enemy. That's what we're here to do. We're setting up a very real righteous kingdom, which is called the kingdom of God. All right. Any questions about that? Anything that somebody didn't understand or a verse that they need to have me go, go back over again? If there's something about that that you didn't understand, speak up. Uh, Mario here. Yes, sir. Uh, Brother Clint, I want uh, I appreciate the way you connected that Hebrews was that everything that will be shaken will be shaken. The general tendency of the church and the teachings has been that when the whole earth is clamped up and everything is wrapped up, that time that will happen. So can you just, uh, for the sake of others also, uh, please uh, explain that part that the kingdom of heaven will come to earth and what is uh, to be shaken will be shaken. Okay. So in Isaiah chapter 9, let's let's talk about where the, where the kingdom first came. Okay. In Isaiah chapter 9, it says that the king or the government of God came on the shoulder of the Messiah. Unto us a child is born, a son is given, and on his government, or on his shoulder, is the government, right? So that word in the Hebrew can be translated dominion, which is perfect. Uh, also could be translated kingdom. See, dominion was handed to the devil by the first man, Adam. Jesus came to bring dominion back to humanity. This is the kingdom. Humanity walking in God's dominion again. Now, there, Jesus gave several parables about the kingdom. The kingdom starts out as a seed. He even said it starts out like a mustard seed and it grows up into a tree. Okay, So when the kingdom came with Jesus, it was demonstrated. And he made disciples by showing them how to walk in the dominion of the kingdom. There is no kingdom without dominion right? So Jesus demonstrated what it's like for a man to walk in God's dominion, which is what a son is, which is why God needs a son. He needs a son here on earth so that dominion, God's dominion, can be reestablished. This is the kingdom. Now, wherever, this is what Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, the kingdom has come near you. What's he, what's he saying there? He's saying that the kingdom 
is manifested in dominion over all of his enemies. Without the dominion of God being exercised over his enemies, there is no kingdom. So the expectation is that the church grow into such a mighty force in the earth that the dominion carried by the body of Christ completely overwhelms all of his enemies and removes their influence. That's the shaking. This is how Jesus put it. I will build my church. That word in the Greek is ecclesia. That's not a word that Jesus made up. That's not even a good translation in English. The word Jesus used for church is ecclesia, and he borrowed that from the Greeks. The Greeks coined this word ecclesia to describe the governing body of their city-states. So Greeks' city-states were governed by not one man, but by a body of governors. They could, um, they could elect leaders, write laws, declare war. They, they had the power to govern all, all of, uh, of, the, of the state's conduct. Whatever it needed, they were there to govern it and ensure that it came to pass. And this is what Jesus meant when he said, on, my, on this rock or the revelation that I am the Christ, I will build my ecclesia, my governing body in the earth, my ruling people in the earth. My dominion in the earth is going to be in the church. And then what did he say next? Not even the gates of hell will prevail. That's, this speaks of a completely, a complete overwhelming of the enemy forces, which is the purpose of the church. And that's, that's how all things are being shaken. Now, there's one other uh, place that we can see the dominion of God working through the church. That's in, uh, um, if, uh, let's see, 1 Corinthians, when Paul's talking about, we have divine weapons of warfare to pull down strongholds that, that prevent people from seeing the true knowledge of God. He's not talking about principalities and powers. He's talking about things that people believe with their minds that blind them to the truth. He says we have divine weapons. What is our what is the divine weapons that we possess to bring down lies that cause people to be blind to the truth of the word of God? Well, it's the word of God. And I don't mean like just the physical word of God. I mean the word of God spoken out of our mouth. That's the sword of the spirit. So by the preaching, this is, and this is why, connect this now. I like, Mario, that you said, you know, we're connecting things. Because when you understand the truth, the whole Bible comes together. This is why Jesus, when he commanded his disciples to go out, he, he commanded them to operate in two ways. To pull down strongholds and to have dominion over the devil. So he said, as you go, preach saying, the kingdom is at hand. Then what? Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, drive out devils. <clears throat> He's demonstrating the supremacy and the superiority of the kingdom of God over all other kingdoms. Does that make sense? Does that help?
So, and the, yeah, and go the ahead. earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Yeah, right. As the waters cover the sea. That yeah. is going to be fulfilled. Yes. What you are saying is absolutely true. Thank you, uh, brother. So, uh, real quick on the rapture thing, which is that word's not in the Bible. Um, so, don't teach the rapture because it's not in the Bible. <laughs> what, what it's speaking of is at the return of Jesus Christ, and Paul talks about this. Uh, again, Romans eight twenty nine predestined to be conformed into his image. Okay, Jesus right now is the only one who has a glorified body. He has a glorified, indestructible, immortal body. He got that after he ascended to heaven, after being raised from the dead. Now, we don't have one right now. Maybe you do. I think we'd all be hearing about it if you did. But we have been given the down payment of that body, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's promise to us that we're going to, I don't have time to get into all these things. I could teach for two or three days straight on just this stuff. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of an immortal human flesh body. Okay. Now that's God's promise to us that we're going to reach full adoption as mature sons, right? All of God, all of Jesus's sermons and all the apostles, everything that taught was that we are to grow up into him. Jesus said, he who endures to the end shall be saved. So we teach in the church, a lot of this, pray this prayer to be saved and people have a born again experience. But being saved is growing up into the likeness of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way. He didn't say, Praying a prayer is the way. He said, I am the way. Growing up into him is salvation. That word many times is sozo, wholeness, spirit, soul, and body. I am the way of, of perfection. And that's the reason we have to have a new covenant is because the old covenant could not bring us into perfection. Okay? That's what the new covenant's for, to bring us into perfection. Now, in the fullness of time, we're going to have an event it's called the second return. And at the second return of Jesus Christ, those who are dead in Christ will burst out of their tombs. And as Jesus returns with all the saints that are with him, their spirits and their bodies are going to be joined together. And it says that uh, those of us who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them and we shall all be changed. That is when we are we reach full sonship adoption. We have a body like his. We have been made just like him. 
that's when we that's when we experience the everything that God paid for in Christ. And that only thing that remaining really is just that glorified body. People call that the rapture and that that theology about the rapture has only been around for a couple hundred years. It's not old. It was not believed by the early church or anybody else for a thousand, you know, a couple thousand years. It's just the modern church has created that. So what we call the rapture is the return of Jesus when those who are dead in Christ and those of us who are alive and remain are changed in the blink of an eye and given immortal bodies and we shall together for, uh, uh, forever be with Christ on the earth. Okay? Now, after that, two resur- uh, the second resurrection happens uh, sometime later. So you have the first resurrection unto life. That's those of us who are in Christ and we get ex- uh, immortal bodies to live on the earth. Then there's a second resurrection later as a resurrection of the damned. And that is those who are not in Christ. They are also resurrected in their body, but they are not given an an immortal body. They are resurrected unto judgment to be thrown into the lake of fire with the devil and his angels. So this kingdom starts as a seed and and we see the fullness of it in manifestation when Jesus returns. But by the time that Jesus returns, it is expected. Listen, let's wrap it up with this with this statement right here. He is seated until such a time as this in Hebrews 10 and a couple other places. He is seated in heaven until such a time as this. And if you can understand this scripture, then all these other things will make sense to you. What is the, the time that Jesus says he is seated until? Until all of his enemies are made his footstool. See, yeah, that's old. That's old and new. That's that's been written by the prophets. That's a big deal. That Christ is seated in dominion until his church puts all of his enemies under his feet. So you can do you can do whatever you want as a Christian in the earth, believe whatever you want, you know, prophesy the return of Jesus, have big you know, meetings, grow your church, but Jesus is not returning to the planet until the church puts all of his enemies under his feet. That's just the word of God. And that's, that describes the shaking of the kingdom of God. See, Jesus is not returning to do anything that he's already commanded his church to do. He is returning when the church brings these things to pass that we have been commanded to do ourselves. And not ourselves only, but those who are new creations in Christ who have been made one with God. You know, it also talks about, you know, that through the church, he is God's going to display his wisdom to principalities and powers. We're going to be the revelation of God's wisdom and uh, kindness and, and loving kindness and mercy. We... All, all the principalities, all of his enemies are going to see who God is through us. He has put us here for that purpose. We're the end of the spear of God's kingdom concerning his enemies. And God's going to overcome all of his enemies through his church. And there is no other way that it will be accomplished. This is why maturity is so important. We never send a child onto the battlefield and we don't send civilians onto a battlefield. We send trained soldiers who are skilled in the act of warfare so that we can overcome our enemy and take ground and keep it.
That's why Jesus said, go into nations, make disciples, meaning bring them into sonship, bring them into maturity, because someone who's in maturity, uh, the devil has nothing in them, right? This is what Jesus said. The devil comes, he has nothing in me. And it's supposed to be true about all peoples, all nations. The idea is that all nations are brought into this place of maturity where the enemy has nothing in them. And that's, um, that's uh, uh, Mario, this would be a great study in uh, Hebrews 2.14, that through his death, he might destroy the one who holds the dominion of death. That word destroy means to make of no effect or to remove the influence of. And that theme is all through the New Testament. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Mario, are you in Goa? Yes. Okay. Please come to the meetings and we can, uh, I think we're even going to have a pastor's meeting and uh, please come and we'll talk about all this stuff in detail. Yes, yes. We will be coming. Great. Okay, Fidel, I have to go. We have we have two minutes now for this meet to end. So I have sent a chat message. If anybody needs healing, deliverance, any also any questions, please raise your hand so you can ask the clinic. Yes, yes, Mario, you can ask. Uh, yes, uh, brother Clint, I had some uh, issues with my uh, stomach. I mean, had upset stomach and all that sometime now. And uh, so, uh, and some other pains here and there. So I'd like you to just command them to go. All right. Let me, uh, I'll pray for you, Mario, and just anybody else who has an ailment. Uh, we're just going to break the power of that right now and see your body healed, uh, and, then and then I have to go. Okay, in Jesus' name, I break the power of sickness and disease now. In Jesus' name, out, out, go. Now, every single person's flesh be made whole right now. Right now, all pain go, all symptoms go. Uh, every every attack of the enemy concerning your body, be relieved. I set you free now in Jesus' name. So be it. Now, do I'm going to ask you. I have to go, but do what you couldn't do before, Mario. If you couldn't eat, go eat. If you had an issue where you couldn't move, start moving. If you had other issues, just start doing what you couldn't do before because it's done. Okay? And that's how we that's how Jesus did it. That's how we do it in his example. Okay, Fidel. Amen. I gotta go. I'm going on outreach, so yes. I, I can't be you late. Brother Clint, God bless you. Thank you. And give my love to Brother James also. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you. Talk to y'all later. Amen.